Welcome to Home of the Brave. I'm Scott Carrier. I want to show you where I went fishing without using a map. There's a mountain about 250 miles north of here, near the Yellowstone Plateau, an area with a lot of mountains and mountain ranges. But there's this one peak. It's not as tall as some of the others, and it's somewhat hidden from view. Most people have never heard of it. It's a mountain with three sides, or faces, like a pyramid, only with three sides instead of four, 11,600 feet above sea level. Most of the year, the faces are covered with snow, but in the summer, the snow melts and the water runs downhill in three directions. One side slopes to the east, where the water finds the Missouri River, which finds the Mississippi River, which finds the Gulf of Mexico. One side goes to the Snake, to the west, to the Columbia River, which empties into the Pacific Ocean. And the other side runs south to the Green River, which becomes the Colorado, which used to run into the Sea of Cortez, but now gets sucked dry pretty much before it gets there. So water that falls as snow on this one mountain ends up in the bodies of people in New Orleans, Louisiana, Portland, Oregon, and Yuma, Arizona. That's an enormous area to hold in your head without looking at a map, most of the western United States. So here's another way to think about it, using a tree as a basic shape. A river system or watershed is shaped like a tree, with its trunk in the ocean and the upper branches reaching to the highest ridgelines and peaks in the mountains far away. There's the tree of the Mississippi watershed, which is huge. One side of its canopy is in upstate New York, and the other side reaches western Montana near the Yellowstone Plateau. Then there's the tree of the Columbia, also huge, mostly in British Columbia, but reaching south down to Yellowstone. And then the tree of the Colorado, skinny and tall in comparison, squeezing through the southwestern deserts to get up to the same area, the Yellowstone Plateau, where the upper branches of the three trees nearly come together, almost touching at the top of the three-sided mountain. And so I went fishing there, in the top branches of these three trees, circumnavigating the mountain with my friend and my dog and a canoe tied on top of the car. The first thing I want to report is flowers, wildflowers, lots of them growing in green alpine meadows at seven to 8,000 feet above sea level. They were small flowers, but their colors spoke loudly in the grass. They were making a statement, mainly for the bees, or maybe for the birds and the bees, shouting that it's okay to fall in love. But seriously now, high alpine meadows have rivers flowing through them, and in the rivers there are fish. I was in the meadow, and I got down on my hands and knees and crawled through the grass to approach the water. Fish in these rivers are skittish by nature because they're just sitting there in clear, shallow water for all the ospreys to see, so they got to be always looking up quick as lightning. And then these fish are extra anxious these days because the water is getting warmer every year 
New species are moving in. Old species are disappearing. The water is warmer and there is less of it. The glaciers up high are shrinking and snowfields that used to stay all summer are now gone by the end of June. Whole lakes are drying up. They're on the map, but they no longer exist on the ground. So the fish around here are somewhat traumatized, and if they see you, they just freak out. I crawled to the bank of the river and stared down into the water. The coloring of these fish makes them nearly invisible among the sand and pebbles and rocks along the river bottom. So I looked for a shadow, a shape that moves, and I saw them, little ones, five to six inches in the shallow water. Usually this means there are bigger fish, much bigger fish, lying low in the deeper pools where the current is not as strong and the food comes by like on a conveyor belt. I would come back later and catch them for sure. I stood up and looked around across the meadow to the mountains beyond, and I had a Hemingway moment where I thought, this is good. And I heard sandhill cranes in the distance trumpeting their agreement. Sandhill cranes stand four feet tall and have seven-foot wingspans. Every year, they travel round trip between Mexico and Siberia. Many of them stop along the Platte River in Nebraska, but some prefer these meadows and marshes around the three-sided mountain, and I think they have the more discriminating taste. They are artists, modern dance magicians. I saw two of them perform once at a spring. I had a front row seat, and it was like they were tying knots in the air using explosives. It scared me. We went higher, moving closer to the top of the three-sided mountain, and the rivers became loud and white, falling through rapids and waterfalls, bending around house-sized boulders that had fallen from thousand-foot walls of white granite. There were no trails. We walked on rock, climbed on rock, up canyons carved out by glaciers. This elevation, nine to 10,000 feet above sea level, is the home or the biome of my favorite tree the white bark pine, which sometimes grow straight out of the rock. They're shaped more like tall bushes than the stereotypical pointed pine tree. They have multiple trunks and grow up to 90 feet. Their skin is white or silver in the bright daylight, golden as the sun goes down, and their pine boughs throw off rainbows in the shape of fireballs or so it seemed to me one day on acid. White bark pine trees came to America from Siberia, their seeds carried by birds, corvids, crossing the Bering Strait, following the ice-free corridor to the south. The trees were followed by grizzly bears who feasted on their seeds or pine nuts before hibernating, and the bears were followed by humans. The white bark pines now live in the finest locations on the three-sided mountain, places with the best views of the clouds coming in over the Yellowstone Plateau, like perhaps a soft quilt of alto cumulus or a thunderhead loaded with lightning that tries to break the canyon walls and scares the living shit out of you. 
The white pines like it on top of the high ridge lines where the wind and weather are most harsh. Their branches, like cilia, are nerve fibers reaching up and touching the clouds, telling them to drop their water here. But now, unfortunately, more than half of the white pines are dead, a devastation brought on by an infestation of pine beetles. The winter temperatures are no longer cold enough to kill the beetles, so the beetles hole up in the pine trees, boring into the trunks where they release hitchhiking fungus that blocks the trees' veins and arteries, killing the trees so the beetles can safely hatch their babies that fly off with hitchhiking fungus to kill other trees, especially the old ones, born long before any white man stepped on the continent. When white bark pine trees die like this, they don't fall down. They keep standing. Their bark drops off in sheets, and their limbs turn into skeletons. Now the clouds passing by hold their water tight rather than drop it on a ghost forest, or that's the way it felt up there. In the evening, I used some of the dead limbs to build a fire and cook the fish that I caught. Then we watched the full moon come up with Jupiter and Saturn, the comet flaring above the western horizon. Maybe you've heard of the Round River. It's a myth from Paul Bunyan folklore about a river that runs back into itself. Aldo Leopold wrote about how the myth is a metaphor for the circle of life. But the Round River is also a real thing, not just a myth or a metaphor. For instance, Water runs down the three-sided mountain in rivers that carry it to the ocean, where the water evaporates into clouds that carry it back to the mountain. In this way, all rivers are round rivers. We live on the third rock from the sun, the only rock in the universe that we know of that's wrapped in a living skin, a biosphere, where everything is interconnected. Rocks, trees, fish, birds, clouds, people. It's one big room or simmering pot, and we're all in it together. Think about the coronavirus. It's microscopic, maybe not even alive. It has no legs or wings, and yet it spread around the world in a few months, crossing international borders, ignoring the lines between race and class and religion. We tried to stop it by self-isolating, becoming biospheres unto ourselves, which, at least in the United States, only made us hate and fear each other all the more. For sure, there's a strong scientific argument for social distancing and wearing face masks. But the only way we're going to beat the virus or get a grip on climate change is to start caring about each other as if we're all part of the same family. Rocks, trees, fish, birds, clouds, and people. The borders and lines that we draw exist only in our minds. This was easy to see and believe in when we were up on the mountain. We had hope that things could change for the better. But when we came back home, back down to the city, the news was full of horrors and unspeakable things everybody at each other's throats and scared about what's going to happen next. I'm standing in my yard, watering the grass by hand, holding the hose 
in full command. I can see the mountains where the water comes from, and I can see the lake, the Great Salt Lake, where the water ends up with nowhere else to go but back into the air as clouds that carry it back up to the mountains. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do today or tomorrow. I feel like I keep telling the same story over and over, trying to solve the same problem and failing. For now, I just want to hold the hose and say hello to my neighbors and not be the old man who says, get off my lawn. So hello, neighbor. Thanks for listening and supporting this show. I very much appreciate it, and I hope you're doing well. Check out our website at homebrave.com for photos and buttons to push to donate and subscribe, or write a review on iTunes. Tell your friends, tell your trees that we're all in this together.